Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful Saturday morning here in North Carolina. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsor and my personal trainer, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. I'm also excited to announce that we have a new sponsor on the show, the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Now, if you watch these episodes on YouTube, you'll see one of their flags behind me in the studio. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years. Uh, So go to SasquatchFlags.com and check out all of their unique designs. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, JohnSRenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstanders series, and you'll get all three books for just 15% off the individual prices. This offer is available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Well, that is it. Today is part two of our conversation conversation on Navy leadership. My guest is the host of the popular Don't Give Up the Ship podcast. He is a retired Master Chief Petty Officer with 21 years in the submarine service. I was honored to sit down and talk with him about leadership issues in the submarine force, the Navy, and the military in general with a guy that cares deeply about leadership issues in the military. Now, I've had a lot of positive feedback on the first half of this conversation, so get ready for part two. And are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. What is your prime directive? What, why do you do what you do? So, um, again, I mean, at the, at the Genesis, it was, um, I saw a gap. I, I, I saw sailors struggling, uh, and there was no mechanism the, the organization was not providing what they needed. Um, and having come off Jimmy Carter, where I had that cob, I think that had a, that had a big role in it. Um, but also just the way I was raised, it's like, if I see a problem, like it's, it's like to an extent, 
I, I I've had to rein it in because it's actually it's legitimately done harm to me in a lot of ways. But the principle really is uh, is like if I have the ability to help, I have the responsibility to help, and mm. I, I I've applied that principle pretty pretty uh, I don't know if harshly is the right word, maybe, but like sternly to myself as a chief, right? And I don't and and just as a military member, it's like. I don't think that the responsibility ends when my service ends like to veterans, active duty sailors. Like I, I just feel like if I can help when it, when it's, and, and I've, I've limited myself to like where I'm not like giving so much of myself that it's harming me, which is what I got to that point when I was on active duty a few times, but I just didn't at the time, I didn't think that was possible. I just thought I had this like capacity to help people and it would never like, I, it would never be too much. But yeah, I just feel like it's a it's just a responsibility. I I can't not. I I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with how my parents raised me. I mean, we were we were volunteering constantly. I basically grew up in a in a um what do they call it? It was a nonprofit that like helped people with groceries. It's not like a soup kitchen. It was like a like a food bank. Um yeah. we yeah, I basically bank. grew up in that place mm. with all these senior citizens that were like churchgoers that volunteered their time and then it was my mom and uh the director was a you know like about close to my mom's age a little bit older I think but they and they were the passionate like mission driven like we're trying to really make an impact. And it was just like I that's how I was running around in there as a kid. I was we grew up I grew up in the church as well. Uh, like the non-denominational Christian side, like it was, it was more contemporary. Uh, yeah. I don't know, like Christianity. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just how we were raised to help each. I had three brothers as well. So it's like, you kind of grow up in that, like we're a team. And so we help each other out. And if they need me, I'm there. Like, so it's, I don't know, like, I think a big part of it was how I was raised, but then being in the military. And, and so my experience from like day one to, day chief was like pretty negative like really bad leaders learning the the wrong way to do it um and luckily i i largely interpreted that as like when i'm in the position i'm not going to treat my people this way uh turns out that wasn't entirely true because i had never been developed as a leader and educated so i kind of freaked out when i was an lpo and turned into a bit of a yeller and like a screamer and do what i want now without explaining uh and then Within probably six months in my into my LPO tour, I I figured out that I was I was doing what I hated uh, mm. from my initial like I yeah. I regressed to my lowest level of training, which is a line from some admiral somewhere during World War II. Um, it, it's I didn't know what to do, so I was I was mimicking what I had seen and experienced. That's it. That's it. Without really realizing it, until there was this one day that I, I've talked about on the podcast a million times. It's like. I was in the, in the galley, just spraying, like just lighting all my, which I did frequently enough, about 30 seconds into what I was freaking out about. You just saw everybody glaze over. Like no one was listening. Mm -hmm. I bet you, if I had stopped and said, what were the last three words? I just said, like, no one could tell me. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped and I'm like, like, you aren't even listening to me. Like Mm -hmm. you're, I, and I just walked out of the galley. And I like went and reevaluated my whole existence as a leader because I was just like, <laughs> I'm failing and I'm doing what I hated coming up. And I swore I would never do that. So I'm like, okay, how do I fix this? And then I made chief and that I was barely ready. I mean, I was a nine and a half year chief. And uh, 
luckily I was on that unit, which was like a CPO Academy. I mean, Jimmy Carter, you got to volunteer to be there. So you got to think about who is going to volunteer to be on a special projects platform that's gone 300 days a year. Type A personalities that are experienced, that like everybody wants to be there. So we had the best chiefs mess in the Navy, in my opinion. And Mm. I had a cob that was on his third cob tour. He was a CMC at this point. Like just, it was, it was this depth and breadth of experience and knowledge that I, I couldn't have found anywhere else. And I spent three years just getting like, I couldn't do anything wrong because if I did, I'd get my, I'd get snatched up, dragged into the chief's quarters. What are you doing with your life? Here's why that was stupid that I couldn't get away with anything. Anytime I screwed stuff up, I was, I was getting corrected immediately. I got mentored a ton by really great chiefs. I like, it was the perfect storm in my opinion. And I think that's why I'm as like, and, and some of it has been intellectual curiosity along the way. Cause I'm a, I'm a fixer. I like fixing problems. Hmm. I want to find the actual answer, but a huge part of it about the, the, reason that i am the way that i am outside of just the context i grew up in was that mess was like uh it was like going to college to be a chief it was Mm. i wish i could replicate it somehow and make every chief experience it because it was it was just this perfect storm of of incredible chiefs senior chiefs master chiefs that cob was god he was incredible uh, I mean, he still is. I, I love him to this day. I still talk to him. But and the CO, the ex, I mean, everybody. It was just, yeah. You can't, and, those, and those are magic yeah. moments when you have yeah. when you have a Cobb, an XO, a CO mm-hmm. that are you know you've got that triad that are, yeah. are good. You know, those are those really are lucky. few and far between moments. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, you just soak it up and enjoy it. I I you know I know I had, you know, my first commanding officer was was tough. He was a he he was. Mm-hmm. He was old school, you know, yep. a yeller, a puncher, a, yep. a poker. He was physical, um, but he, you know, he had a good mass chief, good XO, and and mm. it was a it was a great it was a great place to be to learn as a young yeah. you know as a young officer. Uh, right. The standards were very high, like you said. If you screwed up, you get you know called in. Yep. Let's let's talk. What'd you do? Yep. You know? And I think those experiences are really good when you have those great leaders that are you know mentoring you, showing you, teaching you you know, fixing you when you screw up. I think mean, that was for sure. For me, yeah. at least that was super helpful in my leadership development. Absolutely. As well. And I think uh, like part of the reason it, it's, it's a, like a, a, a secondary part, but like, I think my being that lucky and getting to experience, getting to experience that and feeling that way about like, man, I wish everybody could experience that. Mm. Like, I think that's like a secondary reason about why I feel this responsibility. Like it's just, and it's, eh, there's something about being a steward of these, of the, I call them kids. People give me grief for it. It's, I don't <laughs> have kids. any kids. I don't, don't have any kids. My kids. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any kids, but so. the kids that I'm leading in the Navy yeah. are my, are my kids. Like I, yeah. I feel yeah. that way yeah. about like, like I love them to the point that I will, I want to do whatever I can to help them. And I feel this responsibility to do so because I was trusted with their care essentially. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. I just, it's this inescapable feeling of, of duty to these people that I don't think I'll ever get away from. Like I'm in college to be a psychologist so that I can do research and be a clinician that like volunteers to with a, I don't know, the VA, if it's a job or like volunteers with a nonprofit to counsel veterans. Like I'm, it's never, I'm never going to be detached from it. I, I I'm still doing the podcast for that reason. Um, 
and I, and I, it's, I just, I can, I have the capacity to help. So I, I feel like it's, it's interesting. A there's responsibility. a responsibility. There's this Lisa Haysha quote that I love. And it said, great leaders don't start off to be a leader. They start off to make a difference. And it yeah. sounds like that's what your prime directive is, is to try to make right. a and arguably, I quit being a leader so that I could make a difference. So you could make you know a bigger I mean? like, difference. I yeah. clocked out of the military b- before I had ever planned to. I wanted to be a CMC. I wanted to yeah. take it all the way. Um, but I I was too attracted to that part, like the making a difference part. And that was what it was all about from the beginning anyway. Like I wanted to go all the way with it because I thought as my sphere of influence grew, I could make a bigger and bigger difference, which is true and not like if I'm, if I'm staying within the hierarchy of, of the Navy, I don't think it's true for me. I don't think I would be able to do it because like I talked about on that, I think you listened to the sphere of influence one where I don't think I could have done it. If all my bandwidth had to be devoted to being the command master chief of command X, right? Right. Right. I can create resources. I have probably over a thousand hours of podcasts. You could go, to yeah. and it doesn't draw on my bandwidth or attention span or effort right. or whatever anymore. You can just go listen to them. And you're making the an impact. Yeah, you're making probably a bigger impact by doing yes. this than than if you could you right. know, do it inside. You're so you're doing sort of outside. Mm-hmm. You know the the constraints of the military uh, yeah. now. And, well, you were doing it inside before, but yeah. you're probably making a bigger difference doing it this way than than for being, sure being in that command. So it's really for sure like. Really interesting. I mean, I bet, and I bet seven years ago you didn't think that was going to be the case. I didn't at all. I, I thought I was going to do it for a few years, get a library of of things that that could just be static that I could refer people to, and then I was just going to drop it. Yeah, I, like maintain it on the internet, but like I was going to just walk away from it. That was the, the initial plan. I was never, yeah. I was never going to do this for seven years plus. Um, and here we are. I. Well, what I love about listening when I listen in, I feel like for some reason, I feel like I'm back on the boat. You know, you know, the conversations <laughs> you have on watch where they're, you know, yeah, on these long yeah. watches and you just have you talk about everything. And I, I think yeah. you have a very great conversational style in the podcast. And and uh, and I just think, like I said, you, you could just listen to you talk about issues. You know, sometimes you have guests, sometimes you're you, mm-hmm. you just you, yourself. And and yeah. I, I like that about it. So if people listen into the podcast, what are they going to get out of it? What 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 are the con- what kind of content do you put out there? Just for I those mean, who haven't listened yet. Yeah, you kind of said it. So I everything from uh, at the very beginning, it was focused on basic, like I was aiming at junior sailors. So the beginning of it is a lot of uh, like formal topics. Like I started with like uh, active list or active communication and mm. uh, um, like leadership principle based stuff, just explaining yeah. what it is and why it's important. Cause I was targeting like the E4 that got put in a work center suit position early and was like, Oh God, what do I do? <laughs> um, but then it evolved pretty quickly into uh, just all types of leadership things that I thought were interesting um, the recognition of the flaws in the chief's mess. Um, and then it kind of expanded out into a, like a lot of different things. I, I was, I'm a big fan of leading with stories. I heard a talk, I believe it was at the senior list Academy, but it's on YouTube as well. And I forget the gentleman's name, but there's an excerpt of him talking in my leading with stories podcast, which is like one of the first dozen or so, um, where he talked about the power of leading with stories and, so I, I, that was kind of where the spin the yarn concept came from, which is my shorter, uh, off the cuff type things, um, where I'm just, it's just me. I'm talking off the top of my head. Generally it's, it's 
it used to be uh, spo- like a spontaneous thing would happen at work. Like I'd be in a meeting and some things would happen or, or I'd have some interactions with some sailors or, or I'd be told about something that happened in the mess or we'd be at a DRB or whatever. And that would be, I'd come talk about that and try to pull all the lessons from it. And a lot of the times it was like the DRB went off the rails and the sailor didn't leave taken care of. So then I would walk out and go put them back together again and try to be a resource or whatever. And, or I'd ex- be expressing my frustration about something that happened or whatever. Um, and then I, I, I wanted to loop back to some of the, like, I wanted like an academic, um, approach to like foundational principles. So we have some foundations episodes where I was trying to get other people to do it. Cause that's not really my strength. My strength is the off the top of the head conversational type stuff. Uh, so I had Andy was a, a corpsman chief and now he's a supply officer. He got, he commissioned through OCS, I think. Um, and then like, so we had those and Paul Kingsbury did one for me too. Um, problem being, I got to find somebody who willing to commit the time and effort to doing them. So, uh, we have stuff like that on there. Um, I've done, I, and it, it's expanded out into other ideas. I have a lot of heritage episodes. I'm a big history dork. I got the I museum that. behind yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a collector of, there's a lot of stuff on these walls. I got a big case of uh, submarine dolphins and combo cover anchors over here and just all, oh, it's like a museum in here, but I'm a collector and, and studier of history. Uh, so I really like using those stories as examples. Um, but also just, just educating people. Like I, I had this really powerful moment. Um, I've always been this way, but I've had this really powerful moment when I was at the A school where I came in one day, we would form up for, uh, like the end of the day, uh, on one day where we would, they had this like student of the week award. It was like an all hands call on the boat, but with the student population. And I came down, uh, cause we're the classrooms and offices are on the second deck. We would come down to where they'd be forming up, like in the little galley space where we did our training and then marching wherever back to the barracks or to the, uh, call them defects on army bases, but like the galley. Um, and so I came down at the end of one day, we were going to talk to him, whatever. And I, I came down and everybody was there already. And I was like, cause we marched with cadence. Like I hear him coming from the second floor. I told the CS one that had marched him over. I was like, Hey man, I didn't even hear you guys. Like, you're like what? I didn't, uh, did you guys sneak in? Like, and he was just like, yeah, students are a little, uh, like struggling with motivation today, uh, senior. And I was like, Oh, really? And I said, <laughs> why? And they, it was a lot of what we would get was we would get a lot of students that were not enthusiastic about being cooks in the Navy, which I get it. I joined as a corpsman, had to switch rates. We don't need to go down that road. I didn't do anything wrong. I just it was it, it, I picked what I knew and I liked as I, I had cooked before I joined the Navy. Um, but I wanted like I joined the Navy for an adventure initially. So yeah. I'm like, I want to do something totally different. And then I'll go back to that. But uh, so I understood and there were kids, it was, we would get students that like washed out of whatever a school for some technical thing. uh, And they would just get told that they were going to go to CSA school because we needed people. So you'd get a lot of that where they just didn't want to be there. Mm. And I was like, okay, let, let's, let's talk about this. So like I went, I kicked the doors off the hinges, walked in and just went absolutely nuts. Cause I was, I was upset like because if you had gone into my office at the time it looked it was like a museum but like i i study cook history and i'm really passionate about it because a lot of people don't think it's important don't care or which i found out after i gave this like (laughs) passionate speech about why they were lucky to be there and why they're part of a, a really cool story 
my staff didn't. I had I had first class instructors that were retiring from that command. I had a lot of people who had been around for a long time, and and it, and it's significant because of what our history is that a large portion of that staff was African-American. And if you look back at the history, there's a great book called the Messman Chronicles. It was written by a corpsman chief, uh, but it was chronicling the, the uh, effectively like the journey of African-Americans in naval service. And so by virtue of like what segregation was and racism back in the day, it was like they were uh, in ser- servant type roles, especially when we were going to lose the Philippines as a territory, because that's what it was before. So I get the Filipino mafia jokes to this day. Um, but it's the, um, the history was very rooted in the accomplishments of African-Americans. Like everybody knows who Dory Miller is, but that's where it ends. And it's like, yeah. there are like, there's Dory Miller and, and thank God they're, they're naming an aircraft carrier after him. I, I got really psyched that's about wild. that. Yeah. It's really but cool. There's the, the USS Pinckney, right? The Leonard Harmon. Those are cooks. Those are cooks that earn Navy crosses and it wasn't for making breakfast. And it's yeah. like, they should know these things. We have six medal of honor winners. six and it's like and it wasn't because they were good cooks so it's like and they didn't know about any of these things they didn't know who any of these people were they didn't know the stories of heroism that earned them that hardware they didn't know anything that's so cool so i just went nuts giving this speech about how they're a part i told that a lot of those stories and i was like and you get to be here like it's a privilege to be standing here in the same place effectively um, where those guys stood and the, like that went on to accomplish those things. You might get detailed to the Pinckney, like, and that ship is named after a cook. That's a big deal. And then yeah. to the, uh, and I told him like African-Americans in the audience, like we always talk about Dory Miller being the first African-American ever in the Navy cross for heroism. Uh, Pinckney did it. Harmon did it. The, yeah. uh, almost probably 80% of those medals of honor are African-American sailors. And that's like, we're talking about the thirties, the twenties, the teens, yeah. yeah. African-Americans earning the medal of honor for heroism. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is 
hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search-and-rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough. So if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today you're helped you change their perspective you know it's yeah. not i'm a cook in the navy i right. i and i have to be here it's i get to be here mm-hmm. i get to be part of this uh legacy of, of yeah. great uh a great men and women who have done this job before me and i think that's yeah. That's powerful when you help people see things. You, you know, it's it's funny. I, I saw it in my civilian life too. When you give people their why, or you help them understand mm-hmm. yep. that they're not just like I ran manufacturing plants, right? And right. you're not just plating a part or machining a part. You're you're helping keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you know we made electrical products, yep. and when you when you kind of change the, the story yeah. a little bit, it's like then they go home and they tell their families. I'm helping keep the lights on. You know, I'm, I'm serving my country in a good way. You know, I, the perspective from I'm I'm peeling potatoes to I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm serving my country. It's such, it's such a simple and, and largely easy thing to accomplish. Like Mm. you were on a ballistic missile submarine. So like I was filling in for the cob for like a week or two or something. Uh, and they had this thing where they wanted the, the, they were having a bunch of issues with Swiss stuff, right? Like procedural compliance tags, all that kind of, all that kind of crap. So I went to MCC, which is, you know, where they hang out, um, for a brief and XO is with me. Who's now probably post CO tour. He was a CO of the Alabama recently, but, um, he came with me, uh, in lieu of the CO for the brief and, uh, I was acting as the cob. And so like they do the thing where they give the brief and, and missile techs are great at giving briefs, like uh, the, the way they do it, um, arguably, you know, no offense, but arguably better than the nukes on that boat. Uh, Cause <laughs> yes. I went to their briefs too. And, and the missile techs are on it. Um, but they were having a bunch of issues with procedural compliance and all those types of issues. And when you walked in the room, you like me being me, I'm walking in the room like, oh, this is going to be cool. Like, I'm excited to to be in this role and and to hopefully offer something to like this process, if not just enjoy observing it. And when I walked in, it was like all the air got sucked out. Like everybody looked sad. Everybody was demotivated, frustrated, didn't care. Like, just uh, I just want to not be doing this anymore. I think we might have been an EHW like loading and offloading. I'm not sure. But um, and that's a really, really tough time for missile techs. But uh, yeah, yeah, walked in. They were whatever, whatever evolution they were briefing um, was a big it was a big one. And when we were done, uh, just I, the vibe in the room, I would like we got done and and they go through the like Anybody else? You got anything? You got anything? Cobb, XO, right? So they get to me and I'm like, hey, like, buck up. Like you, like, do you know who you are? Do you know what you're doing? Do you know the awesome responsibility that comes along with being trusted to maintain these weapons that are keeping our nation safe from God knows what? And I was like, you guys are world destroyers. You have the capacity to to, to just turn the lights off like it's over. Oh, yeah. We're trusting you with that awesome responsibility of being just this world destroying force. And you're in here like pouting, 
like it takes some pride in the fact that you're part you're you're this person you're in this role like it's so easy to lose sight of the impact of the thing that you're doing when you're in the grind of doing the like all the little things that add up to the sum of the mission right and it's like it's like FSAs in the scholarly, like COs love to say that, like, oh, everybody's just as important to the mission. And they always say, like, from like they'll pick somebody like important, like a nuke or a sonar tech or whatever, or who they they deem to be important, all the way down to the FSA in the scholarly is always how they end it. And it's yeah. like it's it, it, it is arguably like tr- subjectively true. Um, but it's like you're you're not an FSA in the scholar. You're a submariner that's in the process of earning their dolphins. You get to join that story. And that story is fun and impressive. And you should be proud to even be here. Yeah. Like you get to be here. Like, do you know how many people would love to be here but can't because there is a medical disqualification? Or like, I got a buddy that I do jujitsu with that's a felon because somebody stole his computer or something and he confronted them. And when he confronted them, they got in a fight and he beat the crap out. Like he won. He didn't, I mean, he didn't like try to kill anybody, but like he just won. And then the kid pressed charges. So when he was, and he, he was 18 and that kid was 17 and they were in high school and they charged him with a felony Mm -hmm. and he wants to work at uh, the shipyard doing that mission, right? Like he wants to be involved in that and he wants to be involved in it for all the right reasons. And uh, he has a hard time because he's excluded based on the fact, like getting a security clearance as a felon is not going to be a, it's going to be a tall ask. It's possible. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a tall ask. So And he's, he's my buddy, this other guy that's friends with him as well, describes him. He's, he's such a nice kid and he would be such an asset to that organization. And he says, he has the personality of like a golden retriever. Like that's the best way of just like a human golden retriever, the nicest kid on the planet. I love him to death. And so it's so hard to watch a person like that, that just wants to be involved in that thing. And it's, yeah, some of it, like he wants to better his own life and, and make more money and have a career and have a pension one day and all those things. But like you can tell he cares, like he wants to be involved in that thing because it feels like it would give him a sense of purpose he doesn't currently have in the all the jobs he's doing. And it's like he can't or he believes he can't right now, like we're working on it. But there are people like that out there that can't. There are people out there that have medical conditions or some other limiting factor, physically, mentally, whatever, that precludes them from being part of this community. There are people that can't get a security clearance because their credit's all left up or because they have all some other issue that precludes them from getting the security clearance you need to be part of this thing. Like this is, there's not a lot of people they're going to let within, you know, arm's reach of a a ballistic missile. So it's like, that's a huge deal. Like you should, and I, and I, I was given some perspective on this by some of my friends when I would go back home and visit. And I, I, I was going to college graduations and all this stuff. And I felt like a failure. Like, I'm like, they're all graduating from college and going on to these careers and I haven't done anything. And I said it to my best friend growing up. I I had gone to her college graduation and I said that to her and she like her jaw hit the table and she was like, what are you talking about? You've traveled the world. Like you've, you're a nuclear submariner. You live in Hawaii for Christ's sake. Like you're doing this insane thing that most people like would be afraid to do, let alone like you like accomplish what you've accomplished up to this point and blah, blah, blah. She's like, shut up. You're doing, you're doing just as well, if not better. And I, and I, I didn't have that perspective at the time, but she put it in perspective for me. And I was just like, I think that's great. Yeah. That's, that is good. And it's good to give people perspective because I think 
especially I've been out, out of the Navy a long time. And you think back in those, you, we were given a lot of responsibility at a really young yeah. age. It's, you know, that if you, you never back, get, you'll never it's get. Like, yeah, I, it shocks it. me to this day that they let me stand diving off to the watch. I'm like, are you sure we got done with my dive board? I thought I failed. <laughs> we were in the OCAB. So like I was in the CEO's office, finished the dive board. I walked out. I'm like, God, I got to do this again. Oh my God. Like, cause I'd been stressing out about it, freaking out. Like definitely not my strong suit. Um, even though they thought I was good at it for some reason. And I, there was a, a like a little love seat in my Cobb's office. And I like laid down in it, I'm like covering my face and they called me back in and I went into the guillotine, thinking the guillotines coming, you know, like, and, uh, they like, you pass with lookups and I legitimately dead in the eye to my CEO. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like I was convinced I had failed. Uh, yeah. and they told me they're like, no, we, cause I'm, I'm a compulsive preparer. So I was studying constantly. I was closing the OCAB every day, just studying the volume seven and all the associated books. And so they're like, we knew you knew the answer to all those questions. Like we knew we like you, we weren't going to get any level of knowledge stuff past you. So it was all scenario based, like, Oh, if this yeah. happens. Okay. These are the initial conditions. How are you going to get from A to B with those initial conditions? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I I struggled a little bit with that to to operationalize it all. And that's what they they had said is like we knew we also knew we that you were going to have a harder time operationalizing all that stuff you had memorized. And so that's why we did it that way. And I was interesting. Like, interesting. Thank God, because I still yeah. like I still even even when I was staying on the watch, I I. It blew my mind that they allowed me to do that. They trusted me to fill in for the cob. I would monitor PD trips. I would like a lot of the stuff they would allow. I would, I would marvel at even like standing topside. I was a line handler supervisor and I would stand topside on the turtle back, like looking around, like, holy Jesus, like going yeah. down where we were going up the, up and down the Puget Sound, like going under the bridge, people are waving at us. And I'm just like thinking about how I would feel if I was that person on the beach standing there watching yeah. this just enormous sea monster go by with these people standing yeah. on the back just like and they're and, and they, they're just and they're saying I, I wonder what it's like to be on yeah and yeah like, and, we're here <laughs> and it's like but also like you can watch the submarine dive in the sound right oh, we, wow. we yeah. dive before you even come out so there's videos on the internet so imagine like being that person like on the beach watching us yeah. voluntarily submerge the ship and I'm like well, what kind of person does that like yeah. what kind of person is is willing to do that and does it as a career or or whatever and i don't know like it's still, it's I a still great opportunity i mean there's yeah. just there's not many people have ever done it you know if you yeah. look at the yeah. history yeah. of you know I this still, country you know the people that have have served <laughs> under the ocean is it's it's a, it's still a small group of people yeah. that have done it you know yeah general, so. yep and i i remember i got relieved for what i knew was going to be my last watch ever and oh, i like as soon as i got relieved i was just like i got away with it like like <laughs> i didn't get disqualified i didn't kill anybody i didn't crash the submarine in anything like I it just, was hard though that that last watch coming down. I was the yeah. officer deck on on the surface and coming down mm -hmm. that, uh, just coming down from the sail. I, I yep. it was emotional for yep. me because it was my lifehood dream to to do that and yeah. know that it was my last time. Was that's hard? That's really yeah hard. yeah. I miss I, it. And, uh, yeah, I believe it. And it's and it's I I feel like to a, to an extent. And I, I I hear this a lot when I listen to like uh, podcasts or audiobooks that involve like combat veterans. But it's like. You, you just feel like when you're doing normal life, right? Like I'm a full-time college student right now. Uh, I do the podcast. I, uh, I don't know, hang out with my family. I go do <laughs> jujitsu, you know, and, and that's about it. 
it just feels like the volume is turned down on yeah, life. Yeah, that's it. You know? And yeah, it's like... It's, it's exactly it. I'm I'm happy it's over. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm really grateful, not just for the experience and, and the fact that I now get to be on the other side of it. I, I'm in, incredibly blessed with all the benefits. Like, I make... <laughs> I don't like saying this, but I kind of like saying it. Because it's like it illustrates how how privileged I am at this point, like how how just and how much gratitude I have for uh, the experience, but the benefits of the experience is like I make more money right now to do college than I did as an active duty master chief. Mm. What? Like, how does that compute anywhere? And like, granted, I had cancer and a bunch of other yeah. mental health issues. And, and there's a reason why the VA is paying me money and it's not because they like me. Um, it, but it's, it's the education benefits are insane. Like I hear these yeah. young college students talking about um, like struggling to pay for books or buy, I had a, I'm in a statistics class and you got to buy one of those fancy uh, TI 84 Gucci mm-hmm. calculators I don't like I bought it all, but I'm getting reimbursed for everything. Like I don't got to buy a paper. The benefits are crazy. You know, I hear all this stuff about student loan debt and all this. I I have have an undergrad degree and a a master's degree that were paid for by the Navy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I got a bachelor's degree (laughs) on active duty. So I got an unassociated, like an associated degree. That's not associated with my bachelor's degree. I got an associated degree in culinary arts on the wall. I've got a bachelor's degree in organizational leadership from Excelsior, which is like one of those online military colleges. Yeah, all of that was just tuition assistance on active duty. That was that was active duty benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have Chapter Thirty One benefits through the VA that I'm using to pay for my. I'm going to get a bachelor's degree in psychology. It'll probably take about a year, and then I'll apply for PhD programs. But then I also have my. I haven't even touched my GI Bill benefits yet. Yeah, and like, and if you know, if you join, like your son, right? If he marries and has kids while he's in the service, he can transfer those benefits to them if he wants. Get his degree through tuition assistance and CLEP and NC Pace and all those other mechanisms out there. So many opportunities. And then not only does he he have a degree and a career leaving the military and a pension if he sticks around long enough and VA benefits if if applicable, but then like. He gets to give a college education to his kids. And it's not just a normal college education. It's a college education with a monthly housing allowance of thousands of dollars, a book stipend. Like there's all, it's, it's absolutely insane to me. I was, I was, uh, there's a podcast coming out next week that I did with Amber Viola, who is a, she's finishing her master's in social work. She's a politically active, incredible. She was a, a GM too. Um, that worked for me at, uh, when I was an instructor, she's one of my NMTIs. Um, she is, uh, she's doing those things, but we were talking about, um, like race topics and political topics and stuff on, on, uh, the podcast I did with her at the beginning. And I went and read a paper, uh, done by some like psychologist or something the other day, about uh race in the military and one of the one of the and it was in the the paper the study that it, the paper was on was about uh rates of incarceration and they were relating like the racial demographics and the likelihood to be incarcerated if they were veterans and then if not and one of the things that i i, I didn't finish reading the whole thing because i was i had to go to class but um one of the things i thought was super interesting was they had they had basically like speculated as they went into the study that one of the reasons why incarceration rates were so much lower for African-Americans and people of color in the military was because 
if you think about like when they join the military, if you come from a, a like a underprivileged background, think about the giant leap forward that happens, not just from the income and uh, the stability of like they because the military just keep, provides you with everything. You don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Like having to navigate health insurance as a civilian is the bane of my existence yeah. because I've never done it in my entire adult life until I retired because they just do it for you and you yeah. eat, they give you food, they give you housing, they give you everything. They give you the clothes you can it's wear. A, on your it's back. such a great way to start. It's such a great way. Right. To, and I, I think more and more people should do, mm-hmm. do it because I think honestly, and, and, and it, I'll say it from a, from a male perspective, I think young men need an adventure to be honest. And maybe mm-hmm. young women too. I don't really know yeah. that, you know, we were all male crew back at the time. And, right. and, uh, but I think, I think, I think men need an adventure. I think the people mm-hmm. that go from high school to, college and never get some sort of adventure in their mm-hmm. life i think that they they miss out on something you know i think that's one that's to, one thing to call it <laughs> yeah i mean well you know it, i it, mean it's it that and it's a bunch of other things too but yeah 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 but it's just you know the idea of like locking yourself in a metal tube with you know, right right oh, you, and, yeah you earn the benefits but like yeah it's like a huge it's a huge leap forward in like economic status but then you can get a college education. There's pension yeah. benefits. There's yeah. health benefits for there's retirees. So yeah. It's this, the, the uh, like I bought my house with the, um, the, VA, the, loan, the, the VA loan. Yeah. yeah no yeah. down payment, all yep. those things. So like nowadays it's like you can take such a giant leap forward towards like, I mean, like improves economic status, obviously, but then it like all of the things that, that uh, make it so challenging on the civilian side that, I mean, arguably in that paper lead to lead to or not to incarceration and stuff. It's like you you're the experience and benefits of being in the military kind of deletes a lot of those problems. Like yeah, it, yeah. it's such an incredible thing to me that like more people don't like, like right now the military is struggling with recruiting and it like, I have such a hard time understanding that when it, when there are so many people that simultaneously have such a huge economic disadvantage or or some kind of hardship that it would be that i mean it's causing homelessness it's causing like all these crazy things and it's like i mean i've never been legitimately homeless but i i've met dudes that joined the military and were on submarines with me that were and they were just like walking on sunshine every day like this is way better than living on the streets and using the newspaper to insulate yourself inside your clothes like it's Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. even a, a discussion. So it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm not trying to like paint it as all good. You know, I mean, like I said, mental health problems, physical problems, like there's a reason why after a 21 year career, I'm a hundred percent disabled in the eyes of the, the VA. And um, I don't know if all of that was directly linked to my military service, but I think most of it was, I, you can't yeah. say why you got cancer, but. I don't think it was, I don't think it was because I was unstressed and because, you know, like doing a normal job every day. So, but, um, I would, I did it. I did it for five. You did it for 21. I can tell you stress level at five was like, I'm good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was was smart enough to walk away at five. I was quitting this job at every reenlistment until the one as a chief at 11 and a half. And even then I was trying, I was trying to to quit yeah, and yeah. but that time i'm like if i'm reenlisting at 11 and a half years i'm i'm staying yeah like, yeah yeah and then I, that's oh. what i ended up doing but yeah i was quitting this job at every at every point all the way until i was all the way until you until you didn't until you stayed until in. i did yeah until i stayed too long to <laughs> to stop 
but it would just be silly to not get a pension. Well, well this has been a phenomenal conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Absolutely. Uh, really, really an honor to have you on the show. How can people Thank find you. out about you and this uh, this great podcast, your website? How, how sure. Can so, yeah, there, I, you can find me all kinds of places, but the best ones, you can start at dgutspodcast.com. Uh, dguts is just an acronym for don't give up the ship. Uh, so D-G-U-T-S. So if you go to dguspodcast.com, it'll link you to everything, uh, YouTube, Patreon, all the all those things. I won't plug those too hard. Uh, you can find us anywhere there are podcasts. You just search Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, I, I'm only, you know, like a dozen video podcasts in because of when I retired, I didn't have my face and name on it. But there's a ton of stuff on YouTube uh, and I plan to be a lot more active on there. So you can find us there. Um, we do. I got a clothing brand, dgetsapparel.com. You can go get some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, that's the thing I'm pretty proud of. Um, we're on, I'm on, I'm active on Reddit, uh, discord. Uh, God, there's probably something I'm forgetting. It's just, you can find Instagram, everything. It's at DGUS podcast or don't give the, don't, don't give up the podcast on Facebook, but yeah, we're all over the place, <laughs> but yeah, you can generally find us by just, just search. Don't give up the podcast on whatever platform or DGUS podcast on social media and you'll find us. That sounds great. We're going to go ahead and put uh, links in the show notes for all those oh, yeah. resources. And I really highly recommend that you take a listen to this podcast uh, because I enjoy it. It's one, of, it's one of my go-tos. It's on my feed. I listen to it <laughs> in the car and uh, I really, I really like it. You cover a lot of, a lot of important leadership topics uh, and you get into a lot of things that I don't even get into in this show. So <laughs> I do highly recommend that you listen to this podcast. Go ahead and, and follow that link, subscribe, and you're going to enjoy it. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing all this. And uh, it's been a really fun conversation that we'll likely have to break into two. Oh, did we go recording. that long? That's the longest yes. recording podcast I've done since I started this podcast. So yes. I'm this is great. Records. I think we'll break it into two. But uh, this has been a great discussion. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And I'm honored that you come on the show and, and uh, we'll be having this great discussion. Hey, thank you so much for having me, John. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. 
Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.